And thank you for listening to today's episode of JTCast, the official podcast of the Journal of Athletic Training. I'm your host, Luke Donovan. For the second episode of the month, I will discuss another article from the upcoming issue of JAT titled, Using Normative Data and Unilateral Hopping Tests to Reduce Ambiguity in Return to Play Decisions, by Dr. Leif Madsen and colleagues from Indiana University. As a reminder, the article discussed today can be found on the JAT website, natajournals.org. And please remember that all content from JAT is open access to all readers thanks to the funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. First step, surveying the scene. In the previous episode of this month, I provided an overview of a study that identified contributing factors to patient-reported outcomes in patients who were cleared to return to unrestricted physical activity following ACL reconstruction. For the second episode, we are going to shift away from the psychological component of returning to sport and focus on a battery of hopping tests that may provide insight into one's abilities to physically function within sport. The authors of this article promote that patients cannot return to sport until they can satisfy the following criteria. First, sport-specific function to the injured tissue was restored. Second, the patient demonstrated sufficient cardiopulmonary function. Third, the patient displayed psychological readiness and was not fearful of re-injury. Fourth, the injured tissue could be protected using equipment modifications, bracing, or both without putting other athletes at risk. Fifth, the risk of developing chronic conditions related to the initial trauma was minimal. And finally, sixth, the athlete posed no threat to their self or other sport participants. The first criteria is often challenging to assess within a controlled clinical environment. Early exposure to sporting environment may be counterproductive to the return to play process. Therefore, clinicians often utilize functional performance tests to assess the physical function of the patient prior to introducing the sporting environment at the end of the rehabilitation process. Single limb hopping tasks are a common method to mimic the dynamic movements required during sport participation. These tests allow clinicians to evaluate muscular strength, endurance, coordination, and stability in a controlled environment. Ideally, baseline hopping tests acquired prior to injury can serve as a benchmark during the return to sport process. However, due to many constraints, baseline testing is not always possible. In scenarios where no baseline data was acquired, clinicians can use normative data from individuals that match their patient demographics to aid with interpreting the results of the functional performance tests. Specific to functional performance tests, limb symmetry indexes, also referred to as LSIs, have been shown to be an important outcome measure. LSIs are expressed as a percentage of the side-to-side leg differences during performance on the test. Presently, LSIs are often included as a benchmark for return to sport where clinicians may advance a patient to the end phases of rehabilitation or even return the patient to sport when a patient can achieve an LSI similar to baseline performance or above an arbitrary percent such as 80 or 90%. Presently, there is much debate about what the target LSI should be when using the outcome as part of the return to sport criteria. Establishing normative LSI data may provide additional insight into a cutoff threshold for return to sport. 
Therefore, the primary purpose of this study was to collect LSIs in a large sample of healthy adults across six common functional performance tests with the goal of proposing a minimum benchmark for return to sport. An additional objective of the study was to determine if independent variables could predict LSI. The prediction models could be used by clinicians to estimate what the patient's LSI should be if they were healthy in the event that the patient did not have baseline data. 275 healthy and physically active adults completed this study. Participants were recruited from the university and included NCAA Division I athletes, ROTC cadets, and recreationally active individuals. Individuals with a previous lower extremity surgery or fracture or an injury that decreased function within six weeks prior to the start of the study were excluded. Prior to completing the functional performance tests, participants had general demographic information recorded, including questionnaires regarding the frequency of physical activity. Following a standardized warm-up, participants completed six single-limb hopping tests using both their dominant and non-dominant limb. Limb dominance was determined by establishing which limb the participant would choose to kick a soccer ball with. The six tests were the 6-meter crossover hop, side hop, figure 8 hop, triple crossover hop, lateral hop, and medial hop tests. Participants were able to complete practice trials prior to performing three successful test trials on each limb. A complete description of the six single limb hopping tests can be found within the article, but in summary, the battery of tests assess how fast and how far an individual can hop in specific directions that mimic athletic movements. Tests that measured how quickly one could complete the task are the 6 meter crossover hop, the side hop, and the figure 8 hop tests. The tests that measured total distance covered are the triple crossover hop, the lateral hop, and the medial hop tests. For analysis, the limb symmetry index was calculated by creating a ratio between the two limbs and multiplying the value by 100. A number closer to 100 represented greater symmetry between limbs, while a number closer to 0 signified less symmetry between limbs. The 6 meter crossover hop test produced the lowest mean LSI at 91.9%, while the figure 8 hop test produced the highest value LSI at 96.1%. The mean LSI values for the speed hopping test varied by 4%. However, the values for the distance hopping test were within a range of 1%. The overall LSI for both speed and distance tests was 93.8%. All three speed test regression models were statistically significant, showing that sex, body mass index, and weekly minutes of physical activity and the performance of either the dominant or non-dominant limb significantly predicted LSI values. For the distance tests, both medial hop regression models were statistically significant, indicating that sex, body mass index, minutes of physical activity per week, and performance using either the dominant or non-dominant limb significantly predicted LSI. However, for the triple hop and lateral hop, only the non-dominant limb regression model was statistically significant. Now let's take a look at these results and apply them into clinical practice. First, let's examine the average limb symmetry indexes among the study population. The average LSIs across all six functional performance tests ranged from 91 to 96%. Interestingly, the LSIs between 
80 to 85% are commonly used values that would permit an individual to return to sport following a lower extremity injury. The normative data from this study suggests that the criteria benchmark should be closer to the mid-90s rather than the 80s. Given that this study found relatively uh, symmetric limbs among the healthy, physically active adults during these common functional performance tests. Specific to the regression analysis conducted, the equations provided in the article can provide a mechanism in which clinicians can predict a goal LSI that is more representative of healthy, physically active adults with similar demographics. Although it is required by the clinicians are a few physical characteristics, which are sex, body mass index, and the minutes of physical activity per week, and the performance of the uninjured limb on the functional performance test of interest. This study informs us that there is some variation in limb symmetry index values on single limb hopping tasks in healthy physically active adults, and therefore, we should not rely on universal LSI values, because in doing so, we may be returning patients to sport who have yet to achieve their functional symmetry, which may be putting these patients at risk for future re-injury. At minimum, and based on the provided normative data, all patients should achieve a LSI of at least 90% prior to returning to sport. And finally, the provided equations create a method for clinicians to establish an individualized LSI as long as the patient is capable of completing the test using maximum effort on the uninjured limb and that the clinician can account for sex, body mass index, and minutes of physical activity per week. Well, that's it for today's JET cast. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast, which is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Stitcher. You can find out more information about upcoming podcasts and other JET events on our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram accounts at JET underscore NATA. Thank you for listening and keep a lookout for next month's JTCast. cast.